All right, all right, everyone, settle down. I've gathered you all here today to talk about our upcoming plan for Christmas. All right, finally, we'll get some answers. Oh, Christmas, yeah. What's that? Well, we normally focus on Halloween, but I figured we'd try something new this year. Oh, yeah, sounds good. Maybe we'll get that pay raise we've been asking for, too. Oh, yeah. Look, this is important. We're trying to accomplish something here. So if you could put a little bit more rise from the grave and get on the grind, that would be much appreciated. This is your job here. Now, wait a minute. I have concerns, too. There has been a shortage of blood in the break room, and this is unacceptable. Ah, yes. Well, that's another announcement. We've been looking at our scary budget, and we noticed that the free blood bags in the snack room were getting to be quite the expense. So we decided to cut that as a feature of the company. This is an outrage. I am going to go speak with HR. Now there's no need to bring horror resources into this. Sounds like discrimination to me. That's right. Vampires need blood. And we need to howl at the moon! Hey, settle down! We need to get through this meeting! Maybe we should go on strike! (laughs) That's right! We will stand up to this horrible tyranny! Alright, that's it! If you're going to be no good lazy workers, then I'm going to just hire zombies to do the entire project and fire you all! Oh, damn it. Bah! Bah! You can't fire me! I quit! (laughs) The work ethic in this holiday region is just ridiculous. (laughs) Ah, the zombies have arrived! Welcome in, valued workers! You can do no wrong, master! Yes! Jack the Musk King, big genius above all. Ah, yes, thank you. Did you like when I posted those memes? Funniest man on internet. Smartest man in the world. Least problematic history as well. And we've got many projects coming up, like launching an electric coffin into space. And the best part of all these projects is, I can't even work you all to death. We're all undead. It's not like a robot zombie. <laughs> <laughs> Ho, fantasy fans, and welcome to Swords and Satire, the podcast where we turn holly jolly low fantasy into festive high art. I'm your dungeon manager, Jamie Mokel. My pronouns are he and him, and I am here with my ho, ho, horrifying co-hosts. Nice. Yeah. My name is Cassidy, 
I go by they, them, and uh, I'm the essence of snow that you can smell on the wind right before snow starts falling. Right before a snowstorm eats us all alive? Yeah. It contains so much promise. And so much menace. (laughs) You'd really think like an abominable snowman would fit nicely into this setting. Yeah. Isn't there one? Or No, I'm thinking of that classic animated or uh, that classic stop motion Christmas film with the snowman. Oh, yes. Rudolph? (laughs) Is that Rudolph? I don't remember. It's Rudolph. I barely ever watched those things as a kid. I didn't. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. I used to watch those. I was too busy watching Ninja Turtles and playing video games. (laughs) Nice. Both iconic Christmas activities. That's right. Yeah. I remember the Ninja Turtles with the Santa hats. Oh, that's awesome. This slays. (laughs) Oh, damn. But who are you over there? Creeping in the corners. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm Jack Olander, my pronouns are any and all, and I'm a fun kid's toy that's uh, actually a jack-in-the-box. Oh, that's ah. very fitting based on your name. That's right. When you wind me up and the song stops playing, I just pull all the moisture out of your body suddenly. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, that's dangerous, right? Yes. You know, I think there's a nasty side effect for that called death. Yeah, is that right? Well, you know, I was just made this way. Was, so, you know, it's just it's just my passive ability. That makes sense. And do you always come out at a predictable time? Uh, I come out, like I said, when the song is over, the song only plays one note before it activates. It's almost instantaneous. <laughs> Did it, boom! Yeah, exactly. And then it's over. <laughs> then it is over. Yeah. You could say I'm more like a landmine than a jack-in-the-box. I would say that. A landmine that instead of exploding, sucks all the moisture out of your body. <laughs> Just sort of raisin people, you know? Raisin oh, hell. I, I hope somebody important doesn't listen to this and then think, hey, that's a great idea for a way to hurt people. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make that. <laughs> It's the hydro homie box. We drink your water. Oh, it's like the opposite of a hydro homie. Yeah, you're not a homie. It's are a you? homicide homie. <laughs> it's a hydro hoarder. <laughs> well, guys, I'm pretty excited because today we have got an iconic film to talk about. That's right. We're going to be talking about the holiday classic. Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. Directed by, not Tim Burton, but Henry Selig. So this film stars two people who play the main character, Jack. Danny Elfman, beloved composer of many films, is the singing voice of Jack. While Chris Sarandon of The Princess Bride fame plays Speaking Jack. We've also got Catherine O'Hara as another star of the movie. But before we get too far into our discussion, I think Cass has a little summary ready to go. That's right. So, uh, there's these portals, right? Oh my god. Whoa. And, uh, they lead to different towns, 
that are magical towns based on the holidays. As long as your holidays are part of the American mainstream. Yeah. Uh, anything else? I guess there wasn't room in this vast forest for them to make more portals. Yes, that's right. There's like five trees with portals and a million trees without them. No room for anything else. Mm. Christmas, Easter, Halloween, Va- Halloween, Valentine's Day. Uh, there was St. Uh, Patrick's Day. Yeah, that is a door that I do not want to go through. Mm-mm. <laughs> Just a leprechaun takes a drunken swing at you randomly. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god! What the fuck? So, the leader of Halloween Town, the glorious leader, uh, Jack Skellington, the Pumpkin King. He's just, like, tired of the whole being at the top leader of this town thing. Now, when you say he's the Pumpkin King, does he have, like, a pumpkin for a head? Briefly. But not usually. No, he's, uh, it looked, he looked pretty cool that way, but he's actually just got, like, a skull head. And so the reason they call him the Pumpkin King is? Halloween. Ah. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so he decides he's going to shake things up. He finds out about these portals and goes to Christmas Town. Now, what holiday is that based on? Christmas. I see. Based kind of on Yule. Thank you. So he's entranced by all of the wintry things and the joy and happiness of Christmas. And uh, decides he wants to take over. (laughs) Ah, a corporate takeover. Excellent. Exactly. So he has Santa kidnapped by Lock, Stock, and Barrel, three undead trick-or-treaters. Okay, so far this sounds like every other business plan I've ever heard of, yeah. And uh, (laughs) their name is Gun. Lock, stock, and barrel. Yeah. Oh my god. I didn't catch that. <laughs> this, this is an American film. I was gonna say. Yeah. Um, so Jack has everybody else in the town, like vampires and werewolves and men made out of gum. Um, <laughs> you say gum? Chewing gum. They're the chewing gum man? How yeah. did I miss that? It's like a drippy mud mud man is that him yeah jack keeps getting his hands stuck to him oh jesus i like the zombie with the axe in his head so he's good he has all of them making christmas things like toys and ornaments and he has the uh dr finkelstein Finkelstein making skeleton reindeer so he can fly in a sled now, I'm assuming these toys that they're making will be thematically appropriate for Christmas? Ish. Vaguely. If Adjacent. It's the closest creatures that only understand horror and madness can come to. So, uh... Yeah, sounds like my family. <laughs> after Santa Claus is kidnapped, he's taken to Oogie Boogie, who's a hmm. ragdoll boogeyman, who's a racist uh, caricature. <laughs> Yeah, probably not ideal to have your only black actor play a character that is basically a mocking slur. Yeah. And then, so he's pris- he's kept prisoner there and tortured for hours. Well, Santa Claus, not Oogie yeah, Boogie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By Oogie Boogie. And then Jack takes over Santa's job and delivers all the horrific 
toys to all these kids that start attacking everybody as soon as they get there. And, um, yeah, he's shot down by the American military. (laughs) (laughs) And then he realizes that uh, he might have made a mistake. (laughs) And he's like, you know what, though? I'm based. Like, I'm super cool. I I can't actually do any wrong. I just, you know what? I had fun. (laughs) That's all that matters in the end. This was a good time. And so uh, he's like, you know what? I should probably let Santa take his job back over. I'm done with it now anyway. So I've had my fun. He goes back to Halloween Town from the real world through a grave and um, sets out to save Santa from Oogie Boogie. I forgot to mention there's this character called Sally who is... uh, Who is uh, mostly forgettable in this film, sadly. She's kind of like... Uh, Frankenstein's monster meets a rag doll, and she's filled with leaves. Aren't we all? And um, she can like fall apart and just sew herself back together. It's magic. Can't we all? And um, <laughs> she tried to save Santa before Jack got back, but then she was captured as well. So Jack fights uh Oogie Boogie and saves them. Oogie Boogie's actually scared of Jack a little bit. Everybody in this town seems to be terrified of Jack. Yeah. Uh, Oogie Boogie's kind of undone by his own costume. A string comes loose and Jack just like gets it stuck in a fan and then Oogie Boogie comes completely undone. He's filled with bugs. Aren't we all? And they all fall into like this vat of lava that he was going to like kill Santa in. (laughs) And (laughs) Santa squashes the one bug that was trying to get away. And then um, they let Santa go and, like, he saves Christmas or whatever. And then Jack and Sally are, like, singing together. This is a musical, by the way. Um, If you couldn't tell. They're singing together in the graveyard about how they're going to, like, stay together forever and ever. And that's a really long time. But this is a kid's movie from the 90s. So you're just kind of, like, leaving it at... We'll just be in love forever because now we admit that we love each other and uh, don't show you the nitty gritty of all the shit that comes after that. Were you expecting them to? <laughs> no, this movie was just an hoping. hour and 16 minutes long. <laughs> Slice of afterlife. Yeah. There you go. Well, that pretty much summarizes this bad boy. We should probably head into the delve. Welcome to the Delve, where we venture deep into the themes, scenes, and lore of The Nightmare Before Christmas. So, guys, (laughs) I don't even need to strain this one. Let's talk about Kingdom Hearts. We're finally here. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. we've arrived. We're we're officially there. So, as everyone knows, Halloween Town is already within the Kingdom Hearts canon. So, I don't even need... To go into extraneous detail here, 
Sora shows up with Donald and Goofy in the first two games. I don't know about the third game because I know it's been like a year. I still haven't beaten Kingdom Hearts 2 because Elden Ring came out Aww. and then God of War Ragnarok. But I've already played through Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 in the past. Are you saying those games are connected to Kingdom Hearts as well? Well, we'll get into that <laughs> okay. in another episode, which I'm going to call the key to my heart. Oh, shit. Maybe we should do a special about that. Maybe we should. But I need to finish yeah. Kingdom Hearts 2 for a second time. Anyways, we're already in the world, right? So when you get there, Donald is like a mummy, right? And Goofy is like a zombie, of course. Oh, they're dead. Sora gets his sweet, like, goth boy, like, bat uniform. Nice. Uh, you get one of the coolest Keyblades, the Pumpkin uh, King, I think it's called. Nice. Okay. Uh, and then Jack teams up with you. I never play with the... Um, regional characters because i like to have donald and goofy in my team and like in a lot of ways you're just weaker when you have the character from that land which i think is a kind of a bummer yeah but what are you gonna do so yeah this this is already writes itself so if you want to know how these movies are connected to kingdom hearts just go play kingdom hearts because you'll go right to halloween town get to explore dr finkelstein's lab get to go to that graveyard with the hill that's got the weird tentacle you go into oogie boogie's like weird like layer and everything it's are great. these just recaps of the movie basically yes okay with the added addition of sora is there and also the heartless of ah, course yes that's right there's significantly more anime in it Yes. Then would normally be there an Utada Hikaru occasionally just like music. Right. Oh, in yeah, the yeah. background. Right. So it's got everything you want. But so my point is this film is automatically connected to almost every other movie we've ever talked about. So Holy Jack. Shit. So Jack could pop into Enchanted. Yeah. He could head on over into Mulan. Mulan. We already know he's a world hopper. He knows how to get around through all these portals. Yeah, so it really does beg the question that I think is the question we've been wanting to ask since we started this show. Why doesn't Kingdom Hearts just use the doors and the trees as a system of transportation? This is where it gets complicated because in the game, you go to Christmas Town through one of the doors, portals within portals to other worlds. I don't know how I feel about this. That makes sense. I'm also realizing that when I said he could visit Mulan, that is just China. <laughs> and anyway, I believe they call there. it the Dragonlands. Oh, do they? I think so. Yes. Incredible. No, sorry, the Emperor Lands. I think. Okay. One of those two. I was wondering if I should be offended. <laughs> it was a. Uh, possibly. I mean, when you go to Neverland, well, there's two parts of Neverland. You can go to Captain Hook's ship. Or to, well, it's not in Neverland, right? The Bell Tower is in just in London. Yeah. Big Ben. Is is that like a great mouse detective or is that Peter Pan? No, that's part of Peter Pan where you fight death. You know, I'm just not sure I remember that movie very well. Now, here's the thing. Implying that you fight death means that we might be able to, through the transitive property, connect Castlevania Two Kingdom Hearts. I was about to say. And Castlevania is, of course, a show that we've talked about on our yeah. podcast. Well, you said it could connect to anything we've talked about so Exactly. Far. Now, we also have the Dark Tower. And I know you're wondering, how do we get Roland the Chain into 
The Nightmare Before Christmas. Ah, we know the Dark Tower is the portal that connects all worlds. Exactly. This is sounding a lot like our Fantasy Avengers suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> did we forget to do the Fantasy Avengers this year? Yeah. We did? Yeah. I've oh, been wow. wondering, I'm like, when does that come up again? We need to do it. We need to make sure we don't forget it. Yeah, we got to get our rankings. The other thing is, did you say Roland the Chain was his name? The Chain. Roland DeChain. Roland DeChain. You're telling me his name is like he doesn't have like Roland DeJoint as like one of his relatives? <laughs> uh, I don't know how French names work. Me neither. So if for those of us who don't know, in the Dark Tower books, Roland's guns are forged from the melted down Excalibur sword. Yeah. Yes. So I just wanted to add that here. Badass. He can make a ricocheted bullet move faster than a straight <laughs> Oh bullet. my god! That means that this connects Kingdom Hearts and the Dark Tower to the Dragon Heart series because that is in the timeline of the King Arthur mythos. Good point. Yes. So Roland's ancestor is King Arthur, I guess, from Dragonheart? Yeah. Interesting. Which, of course, also (laughs) means, which we already knew, the Sorcerer's Apprentice is part of this world, too, because that's a Disney film. And it's Merlin. Yes. And the Grand Merlinians. Oh, Jesus. Now, Merlin is an important (laughs) character in the Kingdom Hearts franchise as well. Oh, Because when you... Because when you are in the main <laughs> hub world, Merlin has like a home there. And that's the Merlin from um the Sword in the Stone cartoon that we have yet to talk about. But is that also the Merlin from Fantasia? It is. Yeah. So that would be the connection to the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yes. Which is a retelling of the story of Fantasia. Yeah, because Chernobog is also in there. That's right. So all I'm saying is every movie is part of the same multiverse. Yes. They're all connected to Earth. Yeah. (laughs) So that's our show, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us on Multiverse Chat. I think I would rate the I think I would rate reality like a ten out of ten because it's the best one I've ever known. Really, I was gonna say one out of ten. Oh, because really it's the worst di- one I'm, you've ever known. Yeah, I'm really pretty disappointed in this reality. Too many Nazis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Historically and contemporaneously. And the police violence, state violence. Not a fan. I Not thought fan. they were gonna ban them a couple patches back, but they're still here. No, move servers. Yeah, they keep doing it. There were some servers, smaller servers that started out without police, loaded in, and then they came in and took over. That's right. And in South America, they practiced character duplication with the with the head of the Nazi guild. Oh God. <laughs> This show is getting dark. (laughs) Guys, let's talk about The Nightmare Before Christmas before I start crying. I was wondering how long it would take before we started that. (laughs) All right, so let's talk about... I don't have a lot of notes. (laughs) Let's talk about the vague holiday Christmas. Okay, let's do it. Well, most people probably know, but I'll say this just in case. It is based heavily uh, in the uh, Western mythos. Mythos 
on Yule, which is a traditional pagan holiday. Celtic tree holiday, right? Yeah, it's like based on around the winter solstice. There are some traditions from the Celtic cultures and some from Nordic cultures. Oh no, Yule, yeah, Yule would be Nordic. But I think the Celts did the trees, right? Christmas, what we now think of as Christmas trees, or is that the, the Norse? That was the Norse. Might have been both, actually. Well, the Celts were afraid of everything. That's the center of their culture. Well, no wonder I come from them. The Celts <laughs> were kind of a fire cult, and they had, like, huge bonfires for almost every celebration. Right. Yes, the and Californian... They had to pass things through bonfires to cleanse it in flame. Oh, Jesus. So, um, oh, so they were the first Warhammer players. <laughs> yeah. So fire was a really big symbol in the Celtic cultures. Uh, That's why we light trees on fire for Christmas. The Yule flame. <laughs> well, you have the Yule log, you know. That is... Uh, it's It's kind of confused because... These cultures mixed a lot over the years. And so you have these kind of amalgamation celebrations. Yeah. Syncretism. That's when multiple cultures are kind of melded into a single new tradition. But having fire and light in the dark times of the year, that was a Celtic thing, too. A lot of cultures have winter celebrations. Um. But the way, specific way it's celebrated with the tree and the Yule log and like cert, like giving presents and gifts, it's all from the pagan holiday. A Yule log is what I make after those holiday dinners. Oh, God. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield, what are you doing here? Are you, are you back on our show? Sorry, that was weird. I blacked out for a sec there. And... It was adopted, the traditions were adopted uh, into Christianity to help convert other cultures into the fold. So uh, they kind of like grafted the birth of their savior onto the Yule tradition holiday to make it an important event. <laughs> they put a dead guy in their holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. Not um, wrong. May I throw a corpse on your celebration? What the fuck? I, I, not that long ago, I what read... What happened to that poor man? I read an article that was speculating that, you know, just based on newer interpretations of religious texts, the birth of the Christ figure was, like, during the summer. Yeah. I mean, probably not December. Yeah. But it's celebrated now in December. Also... The corpse celebration would more be like Good Friday in the Christian tradition. Fair enough. Which yeah. shouldn't, which, you know. I didn't say corpse, did I? I said corpse. Oh, oh, oh. Whoever called the day that their God was murdered Good Friday, you know, you gotta wonder. It's a little dramatic <laughs> irony. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It is the way it's celebrated now uh, by Christians. Now, thanks mm -hmm. to all of that stuff happening we get the film The Nightmare Before Christmas. Right. Which is the important part and the reason for the season. And before we talk about that, we should explain what Halloween is. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so Samhain, right? Yeah, now this is the more heavily Celtic tradition. 
And that's why you have all the fire, right? Yes. In the pumpkins. It would have been any gourds uh, back in the day. Turnips. In the Celtic days. Um, that could be large enough to be carved and carried around. And it would have had a lighted candle inside uh, to light the way. But it was to confuse uh, spirits because it's believed the veil between the worlds is thin and the spirits of your ancestors or other vengeful spirits are roaming free. Uh, and the, you know, the fey folk are, uh, the good people. <laughs> yeah. Are free to <laughs> run around creating some mischief, some good mischief. And so you want to try to fool all those spirits that you are one of them. Thankfully ghosts don't do like ID checks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But we we still have some of those traditions to this day. Although, costumes? Yeah, and you would dress up in costumes to fool the spirits that you aren't a human. Um, but we still have those traditions, although the meaning of them is gone. <laughs> and this is, of course, why Lock, Stock, and Barrel wear Halloween masks. Mm-hmm. Because they're trick-or-treaters. Yeah. Undead trick-or-treaters. Also, one of them is played by Paul Rubens. Oh. Pee Wee Herman. Wow. Oh, wow. I thought you were just going to say one of them is played by someone famous and not look it up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. So in this movie, we have like, it's like heavily whimsical versions of each Western uh, holiday turned into these towns and realms. Fully whimsified. Mm -hmm. In stop motion claymation. Which we should probably touch upon what that's all about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so clay is an element from the earth. Wonderful. I like that. It comes out of mud. That's right. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> now, animation is when you take a single <laughs> shot of a, of a scene, and then you slightly alter that shot, and you take another shot... Then you slightly alter it again, and by sequencing all of these together, you create the illusion of movement through the film. And by the time you're done, you have hundreds of thousands of shots. Now, arguably, you could say that any movie is just hundreds of thousands of frames put together, put together, right, in a way that the human eye perceives movement. So, anyway, we should probably talk about Jack. Skellington. Well, now I'm embarrassed. Oh, oh. thank goodness. Skellington, yeah. <laughs> so Jack is the pumpkin king, but he only has a pumpkin for like a minute. Yeah. What's up with that? He's also kind of like a shitty CEO of the company that is Halloween Town. I never saw that when I was a kid, but I definitely saw it this time around. <laughs> well, you know, filmmakers like to hide these little things into their kids' movies that will make the adults go... Oh, this man is horrible, and I do not want to work for him. He was <laughs> repeating, like, a lot of corpo speak, like, the way he was encouraging everyone. We only have 300, and, well, I think that was the mayor, right? We only have 364 days till Christmas. The mayor is, of course, the spokesperson for Jack, because this is basically a company town. Yeah. So... Jack has, like, installed this puppet mayor who is literally a two-faced mayor. He has two faces and his head spins around 
to reveal his happy face or his sad face. When he goes to see Jack at his house to discuss the Halloween plans for the next year, and he can't get a hold of him, and he gets distressed, he's like, Come on, Jack, please let me in. I'm just an elected official. I can't make decisions by myself. <laughs> that is an amazing line. Yeah. That, to me, was the key that helped me unlock the true meaning of this film. Mm-hmm. Also, it probably doesn't hurt, like, seeing the effects that um, billionaires who work strictly off of their whims and their own perceptions of themselves as being, like, somehow good at something... And, like, whether or not they are, they then extrapolate that to, well, if I'm, like, the scariest Halloween boy, I can be the jolliest Christmas boy, and I'm going to be great at it. Right. And what we're really seeing in 1993 is that billionaires are useless and not good at anything. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's not true. Jack's pretty good at Halloween. So, yeah, he is kind of like this where... He kind of sees himself as this somewhat misunderstood creative genius. Mm -hmm. And he's capable of doing anything and he will be the best one at it. Yeah. That is the rhetoric. That is the propaganda that is repeated to get everybody else to believe it as well. And um, everybody is kind of like a slave to his whims. Whatever he wants to do, everybody has to kind of go along with it and... They're expected to participate and help him. Or apparently he'll beat the fuck out of you. That's true. Right. So can you elaborate on that? That's right. The three little children were singing their song about doing the job. Guns, ammo, and explosions. That's right. I'm sorry, lock, stock, and barrel. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Second Amendment rights. Uh, the trio. The trio. Those little kids... Jack told to go kidnap Santa. They sing a line about like, maybe we could blow Santa up, right? And one of the kids is like, oh, but if a chunk goes missing, Jack <laughs> will beat us black and blue until we like forget what happened, right? Yeah. So I mean, Jack is supposed to be this fun and friendly guy who everybody loves. A wholesome dude. He is an iron-fisted tyrant who has everybody... <laughs> scared to say boo yeah except you have to say boo because it's halloween town <laughs> yes but now he's like oh but all of a sudden i'm gonna be the best santa claus i'm sorry i'm gonna be the best sandy claus right. because why because i'm the best at halloween i'm clearly gonna be the best at christmas you know i run these amazing hotels uh-huh sure I'm going to be a really good president. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I bought a company that makes cars that totally don't blow up whenever you look at them sideways. I can probably run a social media platform. I'm going to buy an airliner, and then I'm going to make an ad talking about how often planes crash and show that on the air. <laughs> Wait, who did that? Trump. He bought an airliner called Trump Air, and then he released an ad that's like, our planes crash so much less than other planes. Look how much planes crash. And because he did that, <laughs> plane ticket sales tanked dramatically. That feels like a Jack Skellington move. It does. It's like, hey man, don't talk about planes crashing, please. <laughs> 
So, I mean, really what we're seeing here is a really poignant warning poignant. about the ineffectuality of CEOs and other like corporate leaders who think that they have some kind of qualifications when they're maybe competent at one thing, maybe. And again, this is a fantasy, so Jack is like a pretty good, scary Halloween man, but he's also a lunatic who these children are afraid will beat them black and blue. And, I mean, they're really just bullies. When he was in the theater sitting at this makeshift table calling each member of the town in to give them a job it really reminded me of like a gang taking over the town oh yeah and he's like the gang leader (laughs) oh yeah cult of personality for sure yeah Yeah. or like the fascists in pan's labyrinth like handing out like food rations yes that's right look we are giving you your daily bread now of course within the mythology of the film everybody in halloween town is on board they're like oh this is fine we're all happy we're happy little worker bees we're gonna do what we want to do are they really happy or are they afraid that jack is going to murder them that's right we it seems at face value like sort of merit like a meritocracy because jack is celebrated because he's the best right yeah everyone's into this halloween thing it's their thing yeah it's kind of what they um have extended unlife for yes and jack is the best at it so they're like this guy's hype he has the most merit and then you're like okay so they're all doing what he says because they like him a lot and he's like the best so why wouldn't you if you're aspiring to be like him why wouldn't you follow what he suggests Right. And then but there's also the underlying threat that he's going to beat me into unconsciousness if I don't do this. And it turns out that everybody is just like kind of scared of him. That's right. He sort of reminds me of the frat boy Hercules from Hercules 3D. Oh, oh my God. (laughs) So now, of course, unsurprisingly, throughout all this, there is one voice of reason in the entire town. And it's the woman. And it's the woman. It's Sally. Not the woman. It's a woman. (laughs) How many other women are in this movie? There's a swamp woman. Oh, yeah. And there's the two Okay. And there's the sex doll. (laughs) There's a sex doll? Oh, yeah. The guy makes her at the end. It's the one female (laughs) character with a name. And yeah. lines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah. It's Sally. Sally, this whole time, is framed to be, like, kind of paranoid, right? Yeah. She's really, like, not wanting to take risks. She she's not a team player. She's a naysayer. <laughs> she's That's a right. She's a, whistleblo- she's a whistleblower. Yeah. She's also right. She won't just completely support Jack's vision. She's also 100% right. She has a literal vision, which is a cautionary tale that's like, hey, if Jack continues with this uh, Christmas thing, he's going to explode. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I should tell him. (laughs) 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 Which is nice. You know, uh, Jack, your cars are catching fire whenever somebody (laughs) sits in them. (laughs) (laughs) And he just can't hear her through all the negative talk. That's right. Yeah. And hey, do you guys know what else is catching fire, but in a good way? 
What? Please tell us. Why, it's our Patreon. Oh, shit. What? Do you mean it's crashing and burning? (laughs) Now, my understanding is that all the cool kids on the playground are subscribing to our Patreon and supporting us every month. Not only setting things on fire. (laughs) Kids are listening to our podcast. (laughs) Metaphorically. Oh, right. The cool kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. As in the adult humans who have disposable income and can listen to an explicit podcast like ours. Okay. Age appropriately. They have disposable income? I don't understand what that is. In this economy? What should they do with that? (laughs) They should take some of those extra bucks they've got and send them to us every month to help support our show. I like that idea. Now, here's how you do it. You go onto your device, whether it's your laptop, your desktop, your telephone, or your very advanced carrier pigeon, and you type in www.patreon.com slash Swords and satire. And if you're rich enough to own a phone, (laughs) then you can probably spare a couple bucks every month to support our show. Now, we should probably explain what phones are. (laughs) (laughs) It all started in 1905 when the phone was first invented by... Richard Phone. Yes. Alexander Graham Bell. Now, since we're talking about money, we should probably explain currency. (laughs) Now, it's arguably one of the cringest things humans have ever come up with. That's a long list, too. Yeah, but it was started by the Sumerians in Ur. (laughs) Big mistake. Yeah. Uh, They started measuring everything by grain, you know, and then they came up with currency that was supported by a bushel of grain and true the grain standard (laughs) now but here's the thing even though money's awful there's a really cool thing you can do with it you can give it away you can give it to us to support our show but this isn't just charity that's right when you send us a couple of those bucks every month you get bonus episodes like our outtakes of which i'm told that there's not that many or maybe it's that there's nothing but i'm not sure which one it is or somewhere in between somewhere in between those things rewriting history where we come up with a pitch a movie pitch for a sequel a reboot or a spinoff for one of the movies we've talked about and sometimes we even get producer bonus episodes where one of our lovely producers joins us for an episode that's true and another cool thing is no matter what you join at You always get to vote on a movie we watch every month. That's true. And it's fun to see what people pick. What you pick. It really is. Because you're going to go join. Exactly. You. I'm talking to you, sitting right there, listening to our voices. You know who you are. Joe and Jill Public. (laughs) (laughs) Those people just shit their pants. (laughs) Hearing you say their names. (laughs) All right, well, that's enough shameless shilling. Let's get back to the episode. So let's talk about the uncomfortable elephant in the room. Okay. It's always that racist fucking elephant. (laughs) What is it doing back here? I thought we kicked it out. Let's not besmirch the good name of elephants. We talked about this last week. (laughs) Yeah, I know, but I like elephants. I like elephants too, but they're dickheads. 
Did you, you haven't seen the videos where they go and flip other animals? And- no, but I know about the elephant who crashed the woman's funeral and like trampled her corpse. They're vindictive assholes. They they will also just go after other animals that don't even do shit to them. Well, that's right. They don't forget. And they don't forgive. That's right. Now, they're the Sri Lankan elephants that lived through the Sri Lankan Civil War that got PTSD from the gunfire and bombs. And so they instinctually are scared of and aggressive toward humans and have taught those behaviors <laughs> have taught those behaviors to their offspring. Fuck yeah. Oh, fuck. So African elephants are like, oh, humans, cute, the way you would like a dog, right? Okay. But then there's the Sri Lankan elephants that will just like sneak up behind you with a knife in their trunk. <laughs> yeah. Was it a Sri Lankan elephant who crashed that woman's funeral and we still don't know what she did that pissed this elephant it off? It might have been, actually. I think it was. Could have been a war criminal. <laughs> <laughs> she was a Nazi. <laughs> she was a fascist. This elephant was just doing praxis. I fought in the Sri Lankan Civil War. Wow, which side were you on? I was fighting the elephants. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> uh, elephants are fucking cool. Anyways. What the fuck is this one doing here, though? <laughs> he is reminding us that we still have to talk about Oogie Boogie. Okay. Man... I have... That's um, why it was a racist elephant, because we're talking about Oogie Boogie. That's right. I have complicated feelings about this, because representation in films of the 90s was already pretty bad. Yeah. And here we have a fantastic voice actor. Whose name is... Of course... Ken Page, who plays Oogie Boogie not only in this film, but also... In the first two Kingdom Hearts. Naturally. Getting good work. Playing a character that I think overall is fun. Stylish. Is interesting. Stylish. He has this Houdon kind of style. And I'm like. But he's also got a big gambling aesthetic. And. Yeah. Like powers around it. Like he's got a very interesting aesthetic. But also, like, his name is basically a slur. So, uh, part of the character's name can be tied to racist slurs from the American South. Okay. We should probably explain what racism is. (laughs) I don't know if we have time. Oh, yeah, you're right. I think that's a whole podcast in itself. (laughs) Now, one of the producers of this movie apparently really tried to get them to change the character up a little bit and especially the name because for her she was seeing shades of like american racism in the character there's also some discussion about how the character kind of resembles a clan member yeah i can see that now like the hood yeah but i he also kind of looks like a ghost yeah or like a a ragdoll? Yeah, and he is like a burlap sack filled with bugs. So, a little bit of fantasy there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do see how it could be interpreted as a clan's like memberhood. Now, there's also the concern that in a lot of Tim Burton films, and this has come up recently, 
especially. There's not a lot of diversity in his older films. And there is even, I believe, a quote about him saying that black people don't fit the aesthetic of his films or something to that effect. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, which is like that is just such incredible bullshit. <laughs> it's it's bad on so many levels. It's such a juvenile, poor excuse for his, like maybe unexamined racist feelings. Yeah, I, it's just very reactionary. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, the director Henry Selick has defended the inclusion of Oogie Boogie. But also has kind of done the like, well, people are just so sensitive these days thing. It's like, well, I don't know if that's necessarily the problem. He was like, oh, like they're just looking for racism anywhere they go. It's yeah, like, but it doesn't sound like that's the case because at the time, somebody who was working on the movie was trying to get the director to change the name. Well, trying to get Tim Burton at least. Right. I don't know what interactions they had with. Uh, sell it. Okay. That's right. As a kid, I never bat an eye at the scene where Jack is just screaming slurs. But, like, as an adult, I can really see how problematic that was. <laughs> Tim I Burton, mean, based on what we know about Jack now, would you be surprised? Tim Burton defended it, saying that slurs were his aesthetic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. We're gonna get sued by one side or the other. Um, <laughs> they would have to listen to us first. My fingers were crossed while I was saying it, which is canon for the film that you oh can say God. untruths if your fingers are crossed. We are called swords in satire. True. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that protects us. Satire's in the name. Yeah. Now apparently we the, can say anything we want. Apparently the character is inspired by a Cab Calloway character from the Betty Boop cartoon. Oh. Oh, that's fun. So I think that this is complicated. I'm not going to like I, people are going to take everything I've been saying so far out of context. That's just how the Internet works. I am not coming down hard on one side or the other in terms of like what line this does or does not cross. I think it is worthwhile keeping in mind that this was a role for a person of color. Yeah. And one that Ken Page was willing to revisit multiple times. Now, if that was an economic choice or one where he was like, I'm totally comfortable with this character, I'm not here to put words in an actor's mouth or to be offended on anyone else's behalf. It is too bad that they couldn't have given the character a different name, even if it is yeah. just like, oh, but he's like the boogeyman, right? Yeah. Also, uh, you know what would have been worse? I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Are you about to say something super offensive? Maybe. maybe. Um, a, a white guy voice acting the role trying to use a pattern of speech that would typically be associated with a person of color. Yes. So here we have a person of color getting a role in a major film. Yeah. At a time when that was relatively rare. Yeah. And like whether or not like this was intentional, the fact that the people who tried to say something were ignored and there wasn't enough people on the cast and staff making the film to say like, hey, Tim, this is a bad idea. Yeah. Smacks of the lack of diversity that we're still dealing with today and still somehow becomes a fucking controversial issue 
to talk about, and I'm just tired of it. I mean, honestly, if you're showing a script to someone and someone points out part of your script and says, oh, that's racist, you should change that. (laughs) Probably. It's like, your first response shouldn't be, no. (laughs) I know. I feel the need to stress again that it's not just revisionists and people looking back and finding something to be offensive about, offended about. People at the time were pointing out that it was offensive. Yeah. <laughs> so it's still, and you, like you said, it's still going on and still a problem. They haven't changed it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if, if people disagree, I mean, that's totally fine, I guess, on the one hand, but it's just an unfortunate relic of our. I'll say narrow visioned past. Yeah. Maybe um, Burton was feeling the burn of his earlier comments about his aesthetics because in Wednesday, his re- or the recent show that he directs, but does not produce. I don't think Did he produce it. I think so. Oh, maybe he was one of the producers. Okay. Uh, there is more diversity in the cast of that show. Yes, they've done a good job of returning to the Adams Family roots as a Latinx American family. Yes, and other characters at the school show a wider range of representation. Yeah, and like this is still not like winning everybody over, but I think making progress is good. Yeah. Only to complicate matters further. Sure. I heard that Latinx may be a problematic phrase. It might be. Because I think it, uh, I've heard a, a, a few different people say what, that Latinx could be offensive or like not offensive, but not preferred. And the one that I've heard most commonly is because it was put in place by white people. Yeah, I've had that concern from the di- from the first day that I heard the term. I've heard Latine. Huh. Like with an E instead of an A or an O. That's cool. Okay. As the gender yeah. neutral. And I've only heard it once. I don't think it's popular, but I liked it. I thought it was cool. Just throw another vowel feels, in it. It feels easier to say. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that is a pretty new concept. Latinx is kind of newer. And then yeah. Latina is even newer. I mean, it's not even popular yet. Yeah. So, like, there's still time for us to decide... Not us, but people <laughs> to decide what they pref- like best. Yeah, I think that's what it really comes down to is I'm not here to tell anybody what their preferred term should be. That is 100% a personal choice. Or what to think about all the issues we raised either. Yeah. Because it is a compli- these are complicated issues and not everybody is going to agree uh, on what they mean. Yeah, or how they feel about the topics and whether or not they're concerned about them. Yeah. Before we give anyone else any ammunition to take our words out of context, maybe we should head into the smithy. (laughs) Welcome to the smithy where we each forge a rating for this movie after we share an epic moment or feature from the film. Cass, do you want to give us your epic moment or feature and then give us a rating from 1 to 10 Keyblades? I do. (laughs) It's canon. It is. Let's see. Have you heard of the Keyblade Wars? 
Yes, I am. They occurred after the Christmas Wars. Yes. You know, I want to highlight this scene when um, Jack has saved Santa and they all kind of helped to defeat the boogeyman. I feel compelled to say now. I can't say the character name anymore. Um, Santa is dabbing hard on Jack in that moment. Oh, yeah. He's like, he's basically like, you're a fool. Uh, you're incompetent. And uh, saying everything we want to say to every CEO who's ever lived. <laughs> if I ever see you again, it'll be too soon. <laughs> Damn, Santa. And he's like, the only person that makes any sense around here is Sally. True. Uh, good evening to you, sir. I said good day. <laughs> Started saying all those slurs, but they wasn't the voice actor. It was Tim Burton doing the voice <laughs> acting. And... Then he picks his nose and flies away. Oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> he fingers himself and then he flies away. Fingers his face, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then he makes it snow in Halloween Town oh. as he's flying away. And That's it, dandruff. <laughs> Beard dandruff. And it's cold. I get it. And yeah. it's cold and wintry. And it actually seems more like a terrible, horrible, ghosty place after that. And I was like, this works so much better for Halloween Town. They love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is right up their alley. So their dark spooky alley. Right up their chimney too. <laughs> Santa likes it up the chimney. Yes. <laughs> wow. Mrs. Claus is uh, into Peggy, huh? Her name is Peggy. <laughs> Peggy Claus. <laughs> That's why they like Yule, because it's Pagan. <laughs> Oh, damn, Jack! <laughs> Fuck, I just got it! <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> we, is it time for Peggy to put on the Yule log? <laughs> That's the name! She's got the candy cane! That's the name <laughs> of the strap-on dildo. Different sizes, up, starting with the candy cane all the way up to the Yule log. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I remember, like... <laughs> So, Kaz, you were talking about Santa getting pegged? <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I'm going to give this movie a 7 out of 10 Keyblades. Nice. Um, It was actually, like, my vibe for many years. Yeah. Before I knew about the racist stuff. <laughs> um, we oh, were born okay. American. <laughs> <laughs> It's baked into everything we do. <laughs> you start racist and work your way back. Um, there's good music in it, and the animation uh, and the figures are awesome. But yeah, it just loses some points for me now because I I see through the veil. <laughs> uh, yeah. So seven out of ten. A respectable rating. What about you, Jack? What's your epic moment or feature and then your rating from 1 to 10 Keyblades? I think this watch through, for me, it's uh, my epic moment or feature has got to be, I like Sally. Nice. And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of problematic stuff with Sally. 
but maybe not. I can't, I, you know, I haven't put enough thought into it. Sally's a strong character. Let me tell you why I think she's epic. I'm always drawn to the slice of life characters. In a lot of fantasy media, I like fantasy, but I appreciate when it's relatable. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like the slice of life characters. And that's yeah. Sally. She doesn't have delusions of grandeur, right? It's true. In fact, she doesn't have many delusions. That's true. She just wants to celebrate, like, her. she wants freedom, and she wants to be closer with Jack. Yeah. And she, you know, she finds ways to get her freedom, like, poisoning her the person who's keeping it from her sometimes you gotta do it and she wants to have a place in society that's right and you're like worried for her there's a scene where she jumps off a balcony you're like oh god and then she's just like ha 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 and sewing herself back together you're like oh okay it's whimsical i remember (laughs) yeah the first time i saw the movie years ago when i was a kid I was so sad and distraught in that moment because the music gets all sad, too. Damn you, Danny Elfman! And I was like, oh, shit, she died? (laughs) Yeah, but no. Yeah, it's fine. And uh, it's kind of cute. Like, she's like, oh, I want to go visit Jack, right? She likes Jack because he's very expressive. He's got a lot of life inside of him. That He's such a himbo. She woos him. It's true. She makes like a little gift basket with a drink that he likes and yeah. like some snacks and stuff. Yeah. Which is nice. And she sneaks out to give it to him. And she like, he's working really hard. He won't come out of his lab. Everyone wants to see him, but no one can. And so she's like, oh, I'll give him a gift basket so he can have this while he's working. That's a nice gesture. I think then she like kind of just starts sleeping on the streets so she doesn't have to go back home to her abductor. Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's true. It is true. But she wakes shit. up next to the vampires. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> We're just like fucking creeping next to it her is in like, the shadows. I need to bring her back home like had delirious because he's eaten so much poison in the last week. (laughs) I remember how funny it was when the vampires are just fucking there next to her when she wakes up in the morning. Yeah, it's pretty great. It's just like, wow, what the fuck? (laughs) Why are they standing there next to her? Yeah, and she's (laughs) the person who has the insight to see like, oh, this isn't actually a good idea. This isn't going to go well. Yeah. yeah. And then when Jack is out delivering gifts and he's going to get murdered by the only <laughs> thing scarier than Halloween, the U.S. military. And they're huge guns. Anti-aircraft <laughs> ballistas. Anti-sleigh weaponry. That's right. <laughs> We've been waiting for this for years, Mr. Claus. <laughs> we finally have target lock. Yeah. destroy our economy will you yeah exactly giving out free gifts sounds like socialism to us jack wears red oh my god jack you are you are killing it this episode jack and his innocent whimsy doesn't understand at first they're trying to kill him he's like oh fireworks (laughs) sorry this is a capitalist country You just see the world's biggest bullet explode one of the reindeer. It takes its head off. Yeah, it does. 
That's pretty a insane. Does a reality in your whimsical story? Yeah, and so Sally is worried for him. She goes to try and free Santa and set this right, which is risky because he's being held by like the most dangerous person in town, whose name is. And then you can just censor that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, at the end, once Jack has gotten over this sort of like dip in like his fulfillment in life he tried something new it didn't work out great but he's like you know what i tried something new and i kicked ass oh my god i just realized that he came back to life but those reindeer died yes and they They never come back they had life they had life (laughs) well the u.s military they had on life yeah. The U.S. Ma- military works the rune of death into all of their bullets. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And so, uh, yeah, Jack, he sort of gets over the, like, I guess, illusions he's been kind of pondering throughout the movie. And then it allows him to see Sally and realize what she's been doing for him the entire time and that she's been reaching out. And then they connect, and it's really nice. Yeah, it's a fantasy, so the shit-eating CEO has to, like, learn something. Like Scrooge. Yeah. Hmm. And so, uh, yeah, and Scrooge gets pretty pog at the end. And, yeah, and so does Jack in this. And so, I, I like Sally. She's She was consistent from beginning to the end. They both had the fear of God put into them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Scrooge and Jack? Yeah. I call this Colt's action revolver the Six Commandments. <laughs> six? That's right. Because it ten? has six bullets. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Anyway, that being said, <laughs> I think I'm also going to give this movie seven out of ten Keyblades. I like watching it. The music is like really good is since the movie is short it nothing overstays its welcome i wish there was actually a little more character depth and development uh just like a few ideas i'd like to work through a little more and like scenes i could have seen them including but it's stop motion the movie's beautiful it's a lot of fun yeah. aside from and then you can just censor that and then uh yeah <laughs> uh Seven out of ten. I look forward to seeing it again. Thank you, Jack. What about you, Jamie? What is your epic moment and or feature or rating out of ten? Keyblades. <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys asked in synchronicity like that. I'm going to say that my epic moment is when Jack is delivering the presents that have been made by the Halloween Town residents. This scene always sticks with me, you know, he's coming down the chimney, he's breaking it, breaking and entering, but unlike, you know, the traditional vision of this, he is leaving something behind. He's having so much fun. He's yes. ha- he, first off, he's having a great time, and you guys know me, I love it when somebody loves their work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like the socialist dream. And then, the kids start opening their presents, and it's just a complete shit show. These are not appropriate gifts whatsoever. One of them is just a snake that starts eating everything. 
And that's cool as hell. The one kid gets like the shrunken head. Yeah. Um, I which just is remembered awesome. the racist caricature of the Asian American family. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Quick description. Their character design. Oh, no. I think we oh, can no. all understand when I say their eyes are a racist caricature. Their eyes are diagonal <laughs> and closed when they're supposed to be open. Yeah. And Tim Burton, as a voiceover, just started making noises that were vaguely racist. Not overtly racist. (laughs) Fuck, we're getting... We're gonna get eviscerated for this episode. Tim Burton's gonna send us a skeleton in the mail. (laughs) We We didn't create those characters. Yes, but people love this movie. Oh, well... Maybe they should think about that. <laughs> Maybe they don't care. <laughs> I like this movie. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, you gave it a 7 out of 10 Keyblades. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, other than the moment that I totally forgot about, <laughs> um, I think that that's a fun scene. <laughs> I like the snake eating the Christmas tree. I like the yes. chaos that is caused by these completely inappropriate gifts. Jamie, also... That's the snake from Beetlejuice. Yes. And the shrunken head from Beetlejuice. Holy shit. So. We haven't talked about that. Where does Beetlejuice fit into Kingdom Hearts? (laughs) Let me tell you about how Sora goes to small town New England, which is I'm guessing where Beetlejuice takes place. I think so. And closes the keyhole that's above the residence of that house. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, but begging, or in Beetlejuice's ass yes exactly you know what exactly <laughs> that would actually make a lot of sense yeah it would whoa what you doing back there <laughs> <laughs> okay Donald and Goofy let's give it the power <laughs> whoa <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, well, we've got our rewriting history for next month, so... (laughs) You know, it's really fucking funny. Because in my head, I was like, yeah, it's all the stuff from Beetlejuice, but, like, why would he rip off Beetlejuice... Didn't he make Beetlejuice? Yes, fucking Tim Burton made Beetlejuice. So he's like, hey, remember that like other cool movie I did? <laughs> Another fun and also problematic film that I'm going to get eviscerated for saying this to. Uh, I like Beetlejuice, I do too. too. Beetlejuice but it's, is a fun but movie. But it's fucked up. <laughs> it's super fucked up. <laughs> fun fact, the best part of the movie is not the titular character. No, he's. He's a pedophile. (laughs) You guys want to hear me say a slur? (laughs) Fuck out of here, man. (laughs) Anyways. Let's talk about ratings. Um, I think I saw this movie on opening night. 
Oh, wow. Hello. If not, it was like on the Halloween. Maybe. I don't know if it came out on Halloween. I don't think it did. I think I saw this film on opening night. Or on Halloween the year it came out. <laughs> I think I missed it when it was in theaters. Yeah, yeah, just a bit. So, here's the thing. This movie I know is an iconic classic. Aesthetically, I love it. I love stop motion. Mm-hmm. I love spooky, scary aesthetics and everything. And you guys also know me. I love a nice short film. Yeah. Yes. Hour and 16 minutes. Oh. Glorious. It was beautiful. This movie is not my fave. Fair enough. I it's I don't have anything against it. I've just never been like super duper drawn to the movie itself. Mm. The characters and the aesthetic of it, yes. But I've only watched this film like four times. Capitalism. Which, granted, is a <laughs> lot for me in general. But it's never been a movie where I was like, I need to watch it like every year. And like, if that's your thing... God bless you. I totally get it. It's a quick movie. It's fun. The songs are fun. The look and the whole style of it are a blast. I love Halloween Town. It's both a Halloween and a Christmas movie. Yeah, so some people probably watch it like twice a year. Yeah. Or 50 times a year. Oh, I'm God. sure. But yeah, I it's fine. I'm. It's a movie that I'm very glad exists. I can watch it at any point. But I'm rarely drawn to do so. I'm rarely, like, given the urge to watch the movie. I get that. I was the most excited about watching it with you guys and talking about it. And then I fell asleep, like, halfway through it the first time because I was super tired. And then the second time I was falling asleep while we were watching it. I knew we would end up covering it at some point. Yeah, absolutely. So with all that being said, I think I'm going to give this movie... Six out of ten Keyblades. I know that for some people it is a ten out of ten or a near-perfect film for, like, what they want it to be. And I totally respect that. And if you can, like, look past some of the stuff we've talked about on here, that's fine, too. I'm not here to tell anyone how to enjoy their mainstream films, for the most part. And, you know, I look forward to watching it again at some point, but... It's going to be a few more years before I really have an urge to see it, I think. Yeah, probably. I'm surprised with that description that wasn't a 5 out of 10. Yeah, it feels like a 5. I feel like because of its cultural significance, I'm giving it that extra point. And because, again, I really do love the aesthetic of the film. Okay. And also, here's the thing. It's a Kingdom Hearts. (laughs) It is. So, I mean, very important. You have to put everything in context. I am, you know, my favorite part about this movie is exploring the world in Kingdom Hearts. Okay. Nice. Uh, Yeah, this was a lot of fun to watch with you guys and talk about with you here, too. Definitely. Yeah. I'm really glad we got to do this. Um, You know, I know a lot of people are going to be put out by our, our take on this, and I hope that they can take it in good faith, that we are not coming here to insult the things they love or anything that, you know, we have tons of problematic media that we enjoy thoroughly. And I think we can also be critical about it. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of which next week, we might be covering violent night. If we can make it out to the theater to go see that. And if we can't, we'll be watching Christmas, bloody Christmas. 
Probably, or some other violent Christmas movie. You're right. And if we can't, we'll be watching Santa's Slay, starring Bill Goldberg. One of these options. So, yeah, you can look forward to that. Uh, and if we can't, we'll be watching The Passion of the Christ. Jesus. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's talk about the problematic origins of that film. The theme oh of this month is racist Christmas. <laughs> no, that's my least favorite theme we've ever done. You said Passion of the Christ right after Nightmare Before Christmas. You're right. And I, Gremlins. I... Oh, fuck. I didn't realize what we were doing. We're, we're just priming the canon for doing Cats at the end of the month. Like We have to watch a bunch of things where I'm just going to be like, you know what? Cats was fine. Cats yeah. is just the frenzied flame. Is that yeah. So, uh, yeah. We'll like let you guys know on social media eventually what we're covering. It's going to be Santa Slay. <laughs> we'll see. But, uh... Yeah, Jamie's gonna let you know. He's our social media guru. Yeah. And he makes, like, awesome memes that he posts on there. I mean, I do what I can. I like to write a joke or two. I used to write ten jokes a week for this. Then my head got on fire. Yeah, that's okay. We don't need you to be a frenzied flame. Uh, But if anybody else wants to check out his cool memes, you could go to social media... And our handle is at Swords and Satire. That's right. You can hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and the smoldering ruins that used to be Twitter. That's right. And we already mentioned a great way you could help the show is by riding your sleigh over to our Patreon. Slide us a couple of chocolate gold coins into our stockings so you can get extra episodes and fun little things that we put out on there. All I found in my stocking was hate mail. <laughs> we post things on the internet. As rarely as possible, because it's the internet. Exactly. But that's where the hate mail comes from. However, Patreon isn't the only way you can support <laughs> our show. That's right. You can send a carrier pigeon, care of, carry pigeon... I don't know what's happening. No, you oh, have to. You, no, this is all you. You got it. <laughs> Carry a pigeon to your local Safeway and release it inside. <laughs> <laughs> that really helps that us here at Castle Slap. That pigeon's going to have a good old time. Everybody will be confused, including the pigeon. <laughs> And, you know, we understand if money's tight, especially during the holiday season, and you can't jump on over to Patreon to support us. But what you can do is when you get to whatever holiday dinner you're doing, the first person you see, just scream, listen to Swords and Satire at <laughs> And then just all, all throughout the, the gathering and the meal, just keep bringing up our show constantly until everybody at <laughs> your event is either gone mad or is listening to our show and therefore will soon go mad. Yeah, that's right. No, but really, you know, it means a lot to us if you spread the word about our show and share it with the people that you know. And I didn't mean to make that rhyme, but I did. Nice. 
It means a lot to us to know that you enjoy our show and that you want to share it with the people that you love. Yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but until next time. Krampus? Yeah. Hail Krampus! The other god of satire.